in times like these you need a savior in times like these you need an anchor be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock this rock is Jesus yes he's the one this rock is Jesus the only like these you need the Bible in times like these oh be not idle be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid rock this rock is Jesus yes he's the one this rock is Jesus the only one be very sure be very sure your anchor holds and grips the solid In times like these, I have a Savior. In times like these, I have an anchor. I'm very sure. I'm very sure. My anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Rock is Jesus, yes, he's the one. This rock is Jesus, the only one. Be very sure, be very sure. Your anchor holds and grips the solid rock. Well, we're still in our Bible Truth series, and we're dealing with the work of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. And, of course, in the book of 1 John chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. And we've noted along the way that, according to the Word of God, the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, is a co-equal with the Father and the Son, that uh, His contribution... Um, is inseparable. It's part of the whole. He is God. 
And um, we've been considering the Holy Spirit uh, throughout history. We've asked the question, what part did the Holy Spirit play in creation? And we noted that he imparted life. We said, what part did the Holy Spirit play in the Old Testament overall? Well, he mainly, uh, excuse me, he mainly empowered people for some special work we talked about. And then we said, well, what part did the Holy Spirit play concerning the incarnation of Christ? Well, he was, obviously, his part was extremely significant to every aspect of Christ's life, to include the virgin birth, the resurrection, and everything in between. And so we finished up with that, and we now arrive at another question. We ask, what part does the Holy Spirit play in the dispensation of grace? Now, obviously, we could spend a lot of time on this. We're not going to spend as much time as we could, but there's so much material. But we're going to try to condense it down and move it along quickly. But let's ask that question, give some consideration to it. What part does the Holy Spirit play in the dispensation of grace? Great question. Let's see what we can learn from the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time that we now have together. We are asking that you would meet with us tonight. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just allow me to be a mouthpiece tonight, that I would just be yielded to you and allow you to work in and through me. I pray that, Father, you'd fill me with your Spirit. And, Lord, may you just anoint my lips and anoint every listening ear tonight. Holy Spirit of God, we have gathered here, as has been mentioned already, because we seek to hear from you. We want you to do something unique and special in our lives. We realize, Lord, that every service is a little different. The emphasis might even be different. Tonight we come because we want to learn some things from the Word of God. Lord, the Wednesday night service often is focused, as you well know, on teaching. And Lord, I pray that we would learn something that would truly make a difference in our life, that would impact us, that would help us, Lord, to be able to help others even. Lord, we need you now. Be glorified in this service. But Lord, we also ask that if by chance someone needs the Lord Jesus as their Savior, they'd settle that tonight. Lord, if there are believers in our midst that need to renew their commitment and devotion to you, that they would do just that. Lord, we thank you for all you've done for us and all you will do. And we give you the glory for it in Christ's name. Amen. So what part does the Holy Spirit play in the dispensation of grace? Well, the dispensation of grace is preeminently the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. You can't hardly talk about or address this dispensation without realizing that he plays a major role in it again. He plays a major role in every aspect of of history. We understand that, but we're going to see that as we get into the dispensation of grace and as we deal with the local church, the Holy Spirit of God plays a really significant role, uh, probably more so than any other time in, in history. Now, the Old Testament dispensation was that of the Father. The millennial dispensation will be that of the Son. But this dispensation of grace that we now live in is the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's interesting as we look at the Lord Jesus Christ as he's speaking to his disciples and what he has to say in John 16, 7. Turn there, would you please? It's really amazing, and we're going to take just a few minutes and kind of, kind of kick things off with this, but notice what it says in John chapter 16, verse 7. 
a powerful passage. I mean, really, just an amazing one, really. John chapter 16, verse 7. There we read, as the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking, he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Well, I don't know that the Lord should have to preempt his statements with that, but he is going to emphasize the fact that what he is saying now is indeed truth. It's funny that he felt the need to say it that way. I guess, I don't think he said it so that for his sake, he said it for our sake. And he's saying now, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. Now, right there already, we stop because when we think about it, he says, now listen, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Because in just a moment, I'm going to tell you something that's going to make you question it. You're going to wonder, that can't possibly be the truth. I'm telling you before I even say it, I'm telling you the truth. And he says, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now, it had to be extremely hard or difficult for the disciples to believe such a statement. I mean, think about it. It is expedient for you, he says. That word expedient means useful or profitable. It is profitable for you that I leave you. It's, it's actually useful even that I get out of here and leave. And I'm sure they're thinking, wait a second. And, and, and you and I are even thinking, wait, Jesus Christ, it wasn't a Jesus Christ who healed the brokenhearted, that set the captive free, that made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see? I mean, isn't that the one we're talking about? And the disciples, I'm sure, thought to themselves, but you guided us and you provided for us. You taught us and you trained us. You comforted us amidst the, the raging storms of life. And you're telling us, Jesus, that it's profitable that you leave us? Are you kidding me? What are we going to do if you're not here? How are we going to make it if you don't stay with us? What in the world's going to happen to us? Oh, no. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you. It is useful. It's profitable for you that I go away. Because if I don't go away, well, the Holy Spirit's not going to show up. Not only that, but think about this. Jesus assures them that there are better days ahead. That, they're even, that they'll be even more productive than ever when he's gone. I don't know about you, but that doesn't seem right to me. I mean, I don't know, but we've been traveling with the Lord Jesus Christ now for three years, and we're watching him heal people like crazy. We're seeing him even raise the dead, and you're going to tell me that we're going to be able to do even greater things? Ah, look what he says over in the book of John again, chapter 14 this time, verse 12. Because that's exactly what Jesus is saying. 
It's expedient. It's profitable. It's going to be a good thing. You're going to be realizing that the best days are still ahead. And when I leave here, it's even better than ever. Wow. John 14, 12. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Man. So his departing signaled a better day than the apostles had ever known. Jesus, you leaving? Yep. Yay! Is that what they did? Of course not. They couldn't wrap their minds around. They couldn't even imagine living life without him. Okay, Lord, when is the kingdom going to take place? When are you going to seat yourself on the throne of David? When are you going to settle things between us and Rome? And we need you here with us. And he says, oh, no, you don't. As a matter of fact, you're going to do bigger and better things than ever when I'm gone. That would seem impossible, and yet it was so. It appears that the apostles accomplished more for the cause of Christ than they did while Christ was with them. Look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. It really is, it's amazing to think about that. Boy, I sure wish I lived in Jesus' day. Just think about how wonderful it would have been to walk the dusty trails of Galilee with the Lord, to see Him heal people, to watch the world. Wait a second. Was it the world? Well, no, he didn't seem to travel all through the world. He traveled through that area. But we're going to see that the apostles did something even more than Jesus did. Huh, watch. Colossians 1, verses 5 and 6. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you since the day ye heard of it and knew the grace of God in truth. Look at verse 23. If ye continue in the faith grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, made a minister. Wow. Now, I, I don't know. I never got the impression as I read through the New Testament, or should I say through the Old Testament before the death, the burial and resurrection of Christ. I've never think, I never remember reading that Jesus Christ preached the gospel to the entire world. I, I don't remember reading that. But I do see that the apostles did. You mean that they actually accomplished more with him in heaven than they did when he was with them on earth? Absolutely. Look at Acts chapter 17. I, I find that amazing. That's amazing to me. It's absolutely amazing. If you gave me a choice, do you want Jesus Christ to be here on earth with you and you can walk side by side with him and everywhere you go, there will not be ever a death. There'll never be anybody that has to remain sick. He will always be able to do all those things. Man, I'd be like, yeah, bring it on. And yet he says, it's expedient, Mark, that I leave you. I'd be like, uh-uh, don't do it. 
Let, let, let's stop for a minute now. Let's just ask ourselves a question. How difficult would that have been for the disciples to watch Jesus hang on a cross and die and say to them, oh, don't worry about it. It's really the best thing that could ever happen. We experience death in our families, our loved ones. And sometimes God says it's time for them to go. Let's be honest. We're not ready. But do you think we can trust God with them even as the disciples could trust Jesus when he said it's expedient that I go? I'm just saying... Will we give God the benefit of the doubt when he says it's time to take our loved ones or ourselves? Will we say, okay, God, you must know better. You must know that there's something good that's going to come out of this, even though I see nothing good. Because I don't think the disciples saw anything good with the death of Christ. Matter of fact, the Bible says they were so depressed and discouraged that he turned around in John chapter 14, verse 6, and he had to say, or he said in the beginning, he says, uh, in John chapter 1, 14, verses 1 through 3, he says, and, I, and I, I'm going to mess it up. I don't know why all these verses we're learning, and I'm forgetting the ones I know. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be. Why, why did he share that with them? Because they were, they were so sorrowful thinking about him leaving them. Boy, I tell you what, our hearts get so heavy when we think about loss. And you know, understandably so, that makes sense. But we also have to remind ourselves that the very God that promised that his leaving would open up doors and opportunities that would ultimately affect the kingdom in eternity is also the very one that tells us Precious in the eyes of the Lord are the death of the saints. And there must be a purpose and a reason. We don't always understand it. I think about Elizabeth Elliot, whose husband went in and dealt with the Alka Indians. And there her husband, along with other missionaries, found themselves dead on a, on, on, on a little riverbed. Just young 20-some-year-old, young 20s, died on the mission field. And at that point, I can only imagine if, if your mental state is not eternally focused. You would have said, man, it's ridiculous. This is all lost. Why do we waste our time? We knew that they were, they were hostile toward white people. We knew that they hated intruders. We understood that to be the case. And yet, they went anyway. God, why'd you let that happen? But Elizabeth Elliot went back to the very ones that killed her husband and led that tribal leader to Christ along with that tribe. And hundreds and hundreds of people were saved as a result of the death of one husband. Now, you and I may say it wasn't worth it. But remember, there's more to life than me or you. There's eternity yet. And the Lord Jesus Christ is saying to the disciples, it may not appear that this is going to work out too well, and you may think you need me, 
like nobody's business, but I'm telling you it's going to be in your best interest that I leave here because when I leave, I'm going to send somebody that's going to empower you and enable you to do more than you ever dreamed possible. Acts 17, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica. It was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. But the Jews, verse 5, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, gathered a company and set all the city in an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren of the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also. And they turned the world upside down. I don't know how far Jesus' reputation stretched while he was on earth. But what I do know is his message got around the world once he went back. That I know, according to the Word of God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 8, Paul the Apostle says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Wow. Isn't that amazing? It's wonderful, isn't it? The whole world. So Christ, he departs, and the Holy Spirit arrives. Changed everything. You talk about a game changer, right? It's a game changer. Now, let's just be honest. Here we are today, right? <clears throat> and so many times we feel powerless. We do. We feel powerless to our, our culture. We feel powerless to, in our finances. We feel powerless in our relationships. So many times we feel like, the world just kind of moves us about, that, that we're just circumstances and situations dictate and determine where we stand and how we feel and where we turn next. Now, we, we may not say that, but we act that way. We live like that. You know, I, I've been trying to buy certain stock this week. I've been watching it. But you know what happens to that stock? It goes up and it goes down. And you want to know something? If you're not careful, you get consumed on that thing. Pretty soon, you feel pretty good if the stock's going up. You feel pretty bad when it's going down. That is not how God wants a Christian to live their life. Not based on how the world determines what's valuable and what's not. Man, some company's doing well, and we're like, yes. But then it's doing bad, and we're like, oh. Life is terrible again. Christians should never live like that. I mean, we have something bigger and better. We have the Holy Spirit of God. And here in the passage, when we start considering, we think about the place that, or the part that the Holy Spirit plays in the dispensation of grace. It is such a major role that we can't even wrap our minds around it. And we have to understand that unless the Holy Spirit is in control of us, and someone or something else is. And that's not good. 
I didn't say it wasn't natural. I didn't even say it's probably not more normal than we'd like to admit. But it's certainly not what God intended. Isn't it sad to think how much power and how much opportunity we have in Christ? Well, you mean to tell me that as a church, you're telling me that you believe, according to the Great Commission, that as a church, an, a, a local, visible body, that we alone are expected to reach the world with the gospel? Yeah. Yep, that's exactly what I believe. I believe that commission was given to us as a church. Absolutely, it's given to us. Oh, I don't think it's a combined effort. We're going to talk about that later, not tonight probably. I think it's just local independent churches are all called to reach the world with the gospel. Guess what? We have the ability within the context of our church to reach the world with the gospel. The question is, will we? They had 11 men. 11. And they literally reached the gospel. They had no internet. And the whole world was reached with the gospel. i got to believe the one missing element, the most important missing element, is Him, the Holy Spirit. Yes, we have to yield to Him. I understand that. But I'm saying as far as our lack of accomplishing what God's called us to do is a direct result of us not incorporating the opportunity we have which is the Holy Spirit, whether it's because we choose not to yield or whether we choose not to live holy enough or whatever it might be. But truthfully, we are neglecting the Holy Spirit and so many times our relationships are suffering, our, our families suffer, our churches suffer, our communities suffer. Look at our world today. What do they need? More religion? Obviously not. They need more Christ. And they need more of the power of the gospel that transforms and changes lives. Not a gospel that simply is preached. A gospel that is ultimately prioritized in lives and changes lives. And that gospel like that is only made possible through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, listen, I'm leaving. and You're lucky I'm going. Because the truth is you've got so much more ahead of you without me here than you did while I was here even. And the reason is because he's coming, the Holy Spirit. And in this dispensation of grace, you guys are going to knock it dead as long as you let him have control of your life. Is it, is it wrong to think that if my marriage is suffering, a big part of that is that I'm not filled with the Spirit? Would it be wrong to think that? Would it be wrong to think that if I'm not seeing the fruit or bearing like the fruit that I believe I ought to in my own life, I'm not allowing the Spirit to have control of it? I'm just saying, is is it possible that maybe he's the missing link? I don't know. I'm just asking. Because, again, I, I am a proponent of one that believes that we complicate everything. Well, if I only learned more Bible, if I only got that how-to book, if I only got with somebody and I could ask us certain questions, then it would fix things. If only he or she would do this differently, then everything would be better. 
Is that really the answer, you think? I don't think it is. I look at what the the New Testament church or these apostles and some of the new Christians had to deal with and and, and what they had to face, and I think they still accomplished what they did. I mean, think about, well, I wish I could go back and live in those days. Not me, buddy. What, so I can be on the run? So that I can be worried about being taken out out of my bed at night and ultimately thrown in jail? Possibly be separated from my family or watch my children be executed before my very eyes? I don't want to live like that. How is it that they could accomplish what they did then if they were facing those kind of odds and obstacles? It's because of what he promised. The Holy Spirit. We, we have got to get to a place in our lives where we start to really understand that it's not complicated. It's simple. But it's all the Spirit and it's all God. We got to trust Him. He's got to be first in our life. We got to let Him have control. How do do you get the confidence to pass out of track? I'm telling you, I war with it. You got to say, Lord, you got to do it now. You're going to have to do it because I can't. And somehow, With his help, you can. You just do, th- you're like, what? Okay. All right. This ain't me now. It's you, Lord. Here it is. You're thinking, this is going to be really awkward. And it's never as awkward as you think it is. Rarely. I mean, it, every, they may have a crazy situation, but you know how it is. You've been there probably, just like I have. Oh, man. Let's give God his due. Let's yield to the Holy Spirit. Let's let the Holy Spirit do his work in this dispensation and Think about what could be accomplished at our church. You say, yeah, with all the humanness, with all the flesh, with all the failures, with all the mess. Yeah, it's because you're here. And I'm here. Called humanity. That's flesh. That's the way it is. But they had the same problems. (laughs) They were just humans too. They weren't super Christians. They were just humans that said, you know what? We believe in the cause. We are committed to Christ. And we are going to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And we're going to just let him work in and through us no matter what it costs. And boy, if we as a church would grasp that and begin to just even just take little steps in that area, we'd start to see huge strides on behalf of God and his church. I don't know about you. I don't know how much longer I have to pastor Community Baptist Temple. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this much. When I walk out of the door of this place, I want these seats full. And I want to see them grow. I want you to have to tear this thing down or build a whole brand new wing and use this as your youth room. Or let's just go ahead and have a Spanish ministry that needs this right here. I mean, what in the world are we talking about? We're satisfied with this? Why? Why would we settle when we have the promise of the Lord and the Spirit 
We don't have to settle anymore. We never did. Boy, if the early church could do what they did, we have the same Holy Spirit they have. And boy, we need to embrace that truth. And I, I'll tell you, I believe tonight that we've got, we've got the pieces. I'm, I believe it. I've seen it through the years. We have the pieces. And I have seen glimpses of it, and so have you. You know what I'm saying? We've seen glimpses of it. But boy, wouldn't it be something to just really see the Holy Spirit working in a way that it's like, we're going to have to write a book about this. Because this is God working in our church the way he did in the New Testament. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Hey, listen, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I would rather have that than be pastor of the church. I'll step down and be an associate any day of the week if God said that's what it took for that to happen here. I'll step down today. I'll step down. I'll do it if that's what the Lord would want. I want God to work in our church. This isn't about me. This is about God getting some glory. It's about, it's about a city and in my opinion, a nation and a world that if, it, we don't, if the Holy Spirit don't start showing up and doing what he does, there is no hope. This church doing, I, listen, it, it, it's not going to get done unless something supernatural happens. I want the supernatural to happen. Do you? I think you do. You wouldn't be here if you didn't want it to happen. So let's take steps to make it happen. Let's at least do our best. Let's start asking God, Lord, what is it that I need to do to have the power fall on me? What do I need to do? Is there something I need to change? And Boy, I'll tell you what, if we'll actually start doing that and seriously inquire of the Lord, he'll begin to reveal things to us. And I believe this, and I've watched it. He'll give you little pieces that say, you're on the right track. Oh, you're going the right direction. Don't quit now, just stay at it. And you'll be like, yep, he's working. He's moving. I thought our men's prayer meeting was a big shot in the arm to that. 30 guys show up. And I believe without a doubt, Sunday morning the Holy Spirit did. I have no doubt of that. I want that to happen every week. And I believe you do too. So together, let's just make up our minds. We're going to embrace the promise of the Lord, the Holy Spirit coming down. We're going to trust him to do a work in our lives, our families, and our ministry. And then we're just going to trust him and give him the glory for it all. Take no credit at all. Give it all to him. Boy, I'll tell you what. I think God's going to do some great things in 2022. Father, we come to you. We thank you for all you mean to us and all you've done for us. And Lord, we do. We, I know in my own life, Lord, I struggle with so many things like that and I don't want to. I, I, want, to, I want to experience you in your fullness. Um, Lord, that does cost. That does require a price. I understand that. And Sometimes, Lord, I do. I, I think I'm, I'm unwilling to pay the price. That's the, just the bottom line. Lord, help us all to say, you know what? We want to see you working and moving. and We need to be willing to take those steps that are necessary to do so.
Father, help us to be willing to do so. Lord, thank you for these, thy people, who, Father, are here tonight. And Lord, just for those that gather on a regular basis at Community Baptist, thank you for their love for you and their desire to see you at work in their own lives and families. Lord, they come here because they have recognized your goodness in their life and their families. They, they come here because they know that, Father, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and that they want to please you with their life and lips. And I just pray you'd continue to work in their lives, that you'd meet their needs, and that, Lord, you'd help us all, Father, to experience your presence, your fullness. We'll thank you. We'll praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed as the music plays.